Blog Talk Radio. Do, do what you want. Dwight Slaughter. 
so much so that he wrote it all the way to notoriety. Inner City Strength is Slaughter's riveting story. Slaughter graduated from Verbum Day High School in Watts, a school with one of the top 10 most successful basketball teams of all time. In 1972, Dwight Slaughter was voted number one high school player in the country by Sports Magazine. Slaughter was interviewed by sports reporter legend Howard Cosell on his popular show Sports Beat and in his book I Never Played the Game. 60 Minutes anchor Morley Schaefer, John Chancellor from World News Nightly, ESPN, and Sports Illustrated named Slaughter one of the top 100 basketball players in the state of California. Slaughter's gripping memoir takes the reader into his personal life of abuse, betrayal, and murder. Get his book now on Amazon Inner City Strength. Got photos that need improvement? Freshen your photo. Old family shots that have gotten damaged? Freshen your photo. Want someone or something removed from a picture? Freshen your photo. At freshenyourphoto.com, we turn the pictures you have into the pictures you want. Add muscle, lose weight, lighten face lines, whiten teeth, fix darker off-color shots. See before and afters from dozens of happy customers at freshenyourphoto.com. That's freshenyourphoto.com. Real Talk with Lee brings you the latest news, sports, fashion, and politics. Get ready for celebrity guests, notable entertainment, corporate, and political industry personalities all here for you on Real Talk with Lee and Jaguar. Coming up next. All right, it's Real Talk with Lee. Uh, Turn up Tuesdays. We have our first guest in the building. We have Miss Melissa Holmes. Uh, Melissa, how are you doing today? I'm fine, and you? Oh, I'm okay. Um, for, and Melissa, for the listeners who may not know who Melissa Holmes is, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Melissa Holmes is the founder and CEO of Love Shouldn't Hurt Awareness and Domestic Violence Group. Uh, it started about five years ago due to my personal struggles with domestic violence. Um, not once, but twice. So mm-hmm. I decided to create a forum that was specifically designed for that, for people such as myself that needed some kind of outlet or just felt that they were alone um, in the struggle in dealing with domestic violence, whether they were still victims or whether they had survived and was ready to move on to the next phase in their life. Now, when you say... um it happened to you twice. Was that in the same relationship, or was this like two separate relationships that uh, you experienced that? No, these were two different relationships. Um, they were both totally different. The first um, abuse was my husband, which was, uh, we got together, we got married actually in 1998. Mm-hmm. So he, his was more verbal. It was physical at times but his was more verbal he died in 2003 so that's how I was released from that relationship I would like to say and then I stayed single for about three three and a half years after that and it was unfortunate that the next relationship that I decided to get into was an abusive relationship as well this relationship was extremely physical and this one was about 20 times as worse than my husband's wow you said 20 times as worse now um and how long did that uh actual relationship uh end up lasting 
The second relationship ended up lasting about four years, and then it, you know, that one was fairly new about five years ago. That one in 2010, that one ended. So, but that one lasted for about four years. Okay, now, uh, you know, because I'm sure someone's listening because, you know, a lot of people say, um, you know, why didn't you just leave? So can you talk about, like, uh, you know, like what holds a woman, you know, in a relationship such like that? Well, everyone is different. You know, there's so many things. We really don't know why someone really stays because everybody has their own reasons as to why they stay. Mm -hmm. Everybody's situation is totally different. Now, I can speak for my situation as to why I stayed for so long. Um, You know, abusers get in your head. You know, if you're not, I'm not going to strong, you know, I'm not, I don't want to use the word strong because as individuals, we are all strong in our own way. But some of us at sometimes fall short. For whatever reason mm-hmm. And so in my case I would like to say Is that I stayed Because my family Was threatened So The fear of You know when someone makes threats to you You don't know if they're serious You don't know if they're just bluffing And you know It takes time to you know You don't want to say call this bluff And then something actually does happen Mm-hmm. So my kids and my mom life was jeopardized, was in jeopardy, I would say. He threatened that if I would leave that he would kill my kids. I know where your mom is at. My mom is 84 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no way. So that's why I stayed because to me it was like if I stayed, I felt like I was saving, I guess, you know, I was I was saving them. I guess a part of me felt like, okay, well, as long as I'm here and I stay here, then no harm would come to them. I knew it was going to be a time that there was going to be a breaking point for me mm-hmm. that I would have to get away, but it was one of those things that I felt like I had to put things in perspective. It's one of those things you just can't make up in a sudden judgment that you're going to leave. You have to sort of kind of put things in place so that you'll know where you're going. I can't just leave with my kids and have no place to go. I have to have a plan A and a plan B just in case the B, you know, you you just have to plan things out. I was fortunate that things worked out the way they did and God spared me my life because it had gotten really bad that it almost cost me my life. Wow. I mean, so so in this uh, particular situation, if you don't mind sharing, like what what became like the final straw that was able to say, you know, enough's enough, I'm out of here. He choked me one day. Well, it actually started. He actually hit me in the street one year and fractured my nose. One summer day, the day before my birthday, and I ended up bringing my birthday in in the emergency room. And so that is where the ice actually started to break, and I was like, okay, I knew then. It hadn't, it had gotten physical before, but it had never gotten to the extent where there were bruises, where 
there were black eyes. They were never black eyes. But, you know, it had never gotten to the extent of where, okay, you're doing it in the street now, so you really, you know, like you just really don't care. I always knew that he didn't care because, to me, if you could put your hands on a woman, you don't care. But it was a part of me at some point that just, I guess, didn't want to see what was right before me. And so, but the last draw for me was when he hit me, that broke the ice. But the final draw was when we were arguing one evening. I don't actually remember what it was about. I just knew that he had come home from work. He was had started this argument. I didn't want to hear it. So I sort of kind of walked out the room and went into the bathroom, closed the bathroom door, locked it, and sort of kind of just pulled the toilet seat down and was just in there thinking like, oh, God, like, I wish you would just, like, either go take a walk, go take a nap, like, do something. I just didn't want to hear it. He was still standing at the door, you know, shaking the bathroom door, saying to me, you know, just open the door. I want to speak to you. Open the door. I just want to talk to you. And I don't remember responding, but I remember in a split second things went horribly wrong. That in a split second he went from standing on the other side of the bathroom door to inside the bathroom with me and before I knew it his hands was around my throat and he had his two thumbs pressed up against my windpipe cutting off my ear and I remember looking up in his face as he had my head leaned back and I remember just tears falling down my face and I'm grasping up at his face trying to scratch his face and trying to and he's looking me in my face and he said to me as he's choking me and cutting off my air. I could kill you right here and right now and sit here in the house with your body until your son comes home from school just so he could see the expression on my son's face when he finds my body. And that was a light bulb moment for me that I knew. It was that moment that I knew that he was actually really capable of killing me. I knew I needed to go. I needed to leave. I didn't know how I was going to. I didn't know when I was going to. I just know that I needed to start making preparations to do so at all means. And I did mm-hmm. so. At, at, but he literally let me go and within like 10 seconds of me like losing consciousness. I don't know why he let me go. I'm thankful that he did. And that was like that. That was enough for me to say, Mm-mm, I can't do this no more. I'm done. I deserve more. I'm worth so much more than this. And I had to go. Wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, talking to you now, you see, you know, you seem like a, you know, very strong individual. That's something that you had to develop over time. Was it always there? You kind of pushed it to the side because it, it, you know, like, um, you know, like just talking to you, it's like, okay, um, you know, how, how, you know, how did you fall victim? That, that's what, you know, that's what I'm sitting there thinking like, man, you sound like a pretty strong individual. How does, you know, um, how does someone that seems as strong as yourself fall victim to, you know, uh, an abuser because I mean, you know, it, it happens and, and I, and I know no one plans to be abused, you know, so it's just like, you know, is it signs that uh, someone should look for or anything like that? There are definitely signs, but you know, it's, it's, it's strange because there were no signs in the beginning from neither one of them. Like me and my husband dated 
for five and a half years before we actually legally got married. We had a two-year-old son. Things just changed. Like the minute I said he asked me to marry him and I said I do, we got married, we had a ceremony. I mean, the whole nine yards, the, everything was fine. He was dating me, we were courting, he would bring me flowers. Everything was fine for five and a half years. The very moment I said I do, mm-hmm. things just went left. He started to become obsessive. He wanted to clock the times that I should arrive home from work. I mean, things just went, and I couldn't understand it. Like, why all of a sudden, I, I was, it baffled me. The other one, like, everything was fine. I did notice a change. It wasn't a real drastic change, but I did notice mm-hmm. some changes in the second one. Like, we were together for, like, two, two and a half years, I would say, and then I suffered a miscarriage. I got pregnant and I suffered a miscarriage. And it's like when I suffered this miscarriage, I saw this change in his demeanor. Like, he did this 360 and I couldn't understand it. It was almost like he blamed me for not being able to carry the baby full term. And just things started to go left from there. But there was no, there are definitely signs. Like, I would say if you see signs in the beginning, like if you see the anger, if you see the, you know, the disrespect, the yelling, um, calling you out of your name, like those are signs like it's possible that this person can be an abuser. Mm-hmm. And then you say it was a, a control issue type thing. Like yes. now, all of a sudden, you know, you guys were kind of like he was treating you, you know, like because um, I know a lot of them can, uh, can be, you know, uh, manipulative or very manipulative. And yes. they treated you like, you know, basically put you on a pedestal and it goes from like night to day, from day to night, basically. Exactly. It's, you know, they definitely, it's a control thing. They try to keep you at close arms because in fear, I believe it's a part of them that knows that they're doing wrong, but they feel that if they keep you close, that you have time to seek out nobody else. So nobody has time to seek you out. You have time to not do anything, but they don't know that, not that they don't know, but I don't think that they understand that the more they continue to act like this, like you're actually pushing someone away from you into the arms of somebody else because no one wants to be treated like this. Everybody wants to be treated as if, you know, you treat me the way you want me to treat you. So in other words, if this is how, if you're treating me like this, then you're telling me that it's okay for me to treat you like that. Then you shouldn't have anything to say when it's returned back to you, but they don't see it like that. Like, for some mm-hmm. reason, I think that they are actually wired totally different. Now, I see you started, like, a, a, a support group, um, you know, with the love shouldn't hurt. Like, um, you know, how, how did that come about? How were you able to find the strength and the courage to, you know, to step up and, you know, and uh, help others and, and let other people have an outlet? Because, you know, a lot of people are too embarrassed, you know, especially, you know, especially like strong women. A lot of people are too embarrassed, you know, to talk about that or to share their story. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely embarrassing. And especially, I I would speak for myself, these was relationships that I hid for many years from my family, from my friends. So I went through these relationships by myself because not only was I embarrassed, but growing up as a child in my household, we were always taught that whatever happens in your house stays in your house. Hmm. And so, you know, I sort of, from what I was taught, I sort of kind of reiterated that with my own family. So it's like I almost made my kids promise not to tell what was going on in my house because of embarrassment, because of, you know, the stigma of how people see domestic violence. You know, people talk down on domestic violence. I'm already, you know, we are already beating up on ourselves because there's so many unanswered questions. We can't understand why this has happened, why this is happening. Oh, I've been so good to him. Like, I've never done this. I've never done that. These are questions that we already ask ourselves and we can't understand. So when we can't make sense of what's going on and when someone else comes at us and bombards us with all these questions that we have no answers for, we are really not ready for that right now. And people don't understand that because of the nature of domestic violence, it's a real sensitive issue. And so what people need is support. We don't need to hear people say, oh, well, you stupid. If that was me, I would have left. No, you don't know what you would have done if you was in that situation. Mm-hmm. Because if your family, like my family, was at stake, what are you going to do? You're going to you know, take your chances in leaving and he makes good on his word and he kills your family. Now you have the fact that he done killed your kids and your mom on your conscience. And that's something that I couldn't live with. But it started five years ago after I moved back to New York and I was thinking, I was like, you know, me just getting out of the second one, it was still fresh and I was still a little angry. Like I couldn't believe... First of all, I'm saying I got I, not did I get myself into one, but two. Mm. So I feel like I'm carrying double the weight of just like everybody else. And so to me at that time, it just made sense that I was like, oh, okay. I saw how you could create a group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I figured, oh, you know, this would be a good way to just create this forum for people such as myself just to be able to go in and vent and just say whatever it is you need. If you just need to go in there and just scream, you know, if you just need to go in there and just curse, that dirty so-and-so-and-so, you know, however you were feeling, that you could be able to go in there and you could be able to just speak freely without any judgment. It was a no-judgment zone. That's not what we're here for. And I was amazed at how many people came forth that because of the nature of the group and Mm -hmm. because the secrecy that people started to feel comfortable. Like people started coming out of the woodworks and were saying, you know, I thought I was the only one. And that's all we all, that's all we ever want to know is that we're not alone. That someone else 
is with us to help us fight. The, you know what I'm saying? Like, we nobody wants to feel like they're alone. So they came, and it started out with, like, maybe 30 members and now have, like, over 1,000 members nationwide. Wow, and I think that's going to grow. And, and I think that's, you know, I think that's a, a great thing you did because, you know, how often do you find, like, the you know, the victim starts blaming themselves? Did you find yourself at that point? And did, have you, you know, maybe a... Uh, you know, had others reached out that they felt like it was in some way that, you know, some sick individual's, you know, problem was theirs. Like it was their fault that this was being done to them. Yeah. In the beginning, I did. I started to question myself, and I thought, like, damn, maybe it's me. But then I, was, I had to think, and it wasn't until after I had gotten out of that relationship and I started to go to counseling. Because I was aware that, okay, Melissa, if you want to jump this hurdle and you want to get over this, that I, you know, I knew that I couldn't do this by myself and I knew that I needed help. Because if I tried to do it by myself, I was going to be stuck. Because I was in a place, I was in this dark place that of being hit and being downgraded. And, you know, so I was in this dark place. I was aware that I needed some assistance. So it wasn't until me going to counseling to do the necessary work I needed to start my healing from the inside out. And I took advantage of the fact that I would go to individual counseling twice a week, and then I would do group therapy three times a week. So my weeks were filled with just doing counseling because that's Mm -hmm. how determined I was that I was not going to be in this place. I was not going to stay stuck here in this place. I was going to move from here, and I was going to move hell and high water to do whatever it was that I needed to get to this next level. And, you know, we do. We blame ourselves, and we can't believe we stayed so long. And, you know, I can admit that it was a part of me. Like I said, it wasn't until after going to therapy that it started to register that this man was broken before him and I had even gotten together. Mm-hmm. And it was a part of me that at some point, I guess that's when after suffering the miscarriage, things started to change, that I started to see some of the changes, but I wasn't aware of what they were. They didn't start to actually make sense until after I started seeking counseling. And there was a part of me that actually thought that I could love this man past his pain. Mm -hmm. And after going to counseling, I realized, like, Melissa, you can't help him unless he wants to help himself. And until he helps himself, there's nothing Melissa can do for him. He has to want to do it for himself. And so I had to learn to... Let it go. Mm-hmm. Now, as the victim, I, I, I want to know because I'm, I'm sure you know someone's probably uh, going through this. As a victim, when some when you're in a situation, someone's belittling you every day, calling you names, telling you're not this, you're not worth anything, you're not beautiful, you're not pretty, no one else is what. Do you do you at some point uh, start to buy into these these ideas? Do you start like somewhat believing it yourself? Well, who's gonna who else is gonna want me? You know, I'm I'm not beautiful. He tells me every day I'm not this, I'm not that. Uh, as the victim, do you some point start to buy into that to that theory? Um, 
Well, see, with my husband, he would tell me things like if him and I broke up or, or well, not if we broke up, but he would say things like, well, who going to want you? Because I got two kids. I had mm-hmm. had his son by then, and I had my oldest daughter who was by someone else. So I had two different kids' father, but I married him. But he would tell me things like, oh, well, if you and I no longer, who going to want you? You got two kids with two different fathers. And I'm saying, well, what difference does that make? Because I know people that got six kids with six different daddies, and they got somebody, you know? Mm -hmm. But they continuously tell you that. So after a while, I did start to believe, like, damn, maybe he's right. But after he died, something registered, like, no, all of this time he was telling you that, he got it in your head. But after this, this second one, it was, you know, just he, it was never that you were ugly. It was always when things would not go his way. He's a male chauvinist. He has no, he has no respect for women. And I realized that after going to counseling and the pieces started to fit in the puzzle. And as I went to counseling and started to reveal some of the things that had happened, that had taken place, and how I heard him speak to his mom, and then how I would hear him speak to his grandmother, things started to make sense. With him, it was that as a child, his mother was an alcoholic, so she never raised him. She had given him to his grandmother, who his Mm -hmm. grandmother in turn, did not want him and passed him off to an aunt who he stayed with for a little bit of time, but then he would shuffle between her and another aunt. So he actually wasn't stable. When he got up and started to have relationships with women, every woman that he had been with has cheated on him. So it didn't make sense to him that now Melissa has come along claiming to be faithful, she's doing all of these things. It's almost like he sabotaged himself or sabotaged because he couldn't believe because everybody else has cheated on him. So Melissa must be doing the same thing. Like there's no reason why she wouldn't because it's such a pattern. Oh, yeah. As he was I started you to, to leave, reveal. Feeling like you'd abandon him too or something, right? Exactly. So here I come along and I sort of kind of get the – worst end of the stick, and it's almost like I had to pay for every woman that had did him wrong, starting with his mother. Mm-hmm. See, and a lot of people, you said, you mentioned something earlier that you said, you know, the uh, the psychological, a lot of people think when you say abuse, they just think it's physical. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people just think it's someone being beat on, and that's not always the case. So can you no. know, can you uh, you know uh, share with the listeners a little bit about that? How it can be like you know not just always physical, can be mental, psychological abuse, and you know stuff like that. Yes, it's not just physical. You're absolutely right. It's emotional. It's physical, as we all know. It's mental. It's financial. Abuse comes in so many forms. It's financial. If he doesn't give you money or takes what money you have, 
and just leaves you stranded with nothing. It is is domestic violence have so many, so many. We have so many colors. It doesn't make any sense. And what I want to stress is that it's not just a woman's thing. Men go through it also. Mm. I and, know. Yeah, a lot of people don't talk about that side either. <laughs> yeah. You know. It's, 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 it's sad. I think that it's it's very important that it's also something that should be um, stressed that men, you know, it domestic violence affects the family, no doubt. But I think it's really big that, or important to stress that men also go through domestic violence, and you know it's 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 sad that it doesn't get recognized like it should, and I guess because we all see men as superior, so we think that, or we look at men like because they're supposed to they're supposed to be strong and they're supposed to take care of the household and they're supposed to be so many things that when you hear a man being abused you know people they're in disbelief honestly speaking i had a guy reach out to me and say to me you know that he he shared the fact that he had been through it and how he tried to do the right things and he had gone to the precinct and he got to the precinct, and they actually, like, literally laughed in his face. Wow. Because they could not believe that this man was standing here. He had to flee his home with his daughter, his um, girlfriend. They weren't even married, and she had stabbed him in his, I believe it was his leg or his arm, at any rate, he showed up at the precinct, and he tried to do the right thing, and he showed up, and they laughed in his face. You know, like they literally made a mockery of him, and they're laughing amongst themselves, and they're looking, and they're telling other officers, and they're looking back at him, and they're saying, you know, like he's standing here. Like they couldn't believe this man was standing here talking about his girlfriend was back at the house. He was being abused. And he had stressed wow. to me that, um, you know, that that's one of the reasons why, Men, because actually men are more secretive and, you know, keep it more of a secret amongst themselves than women. You would be amazed at how many men may be going through this and don't say anything because of how someone may look at him or how someone may laugh at him. Oh yeah, exactly, and 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 that's a that's a terrible part of it of that of that coin because, like you said, you know that does happen as well, and no no one really takes that seriously. You know, you couldn't like who there's really no one you can talk to in that situation. Like um, even you know a close friend would like basically you know because I've seen it happen would basically laugh you out of the room wherever you're at. You're still hanging out, you know, guys. That ain't really what you talk about. Oh, geez. She's beating me, or she's being disrespectful. You, you would let, you know, you would find that uh-huh. very amusing. It become the, you know, the topic of your amusement. You know, not, not, you know, not to be harsh or anything, but you know, that's the stuff that people sit around, guys sit around and, you know, juggle about that sort of thing because, you know, like you said, you're supposed to be tough, you're supposed to be strong, so you, you can't even imagine that thought. You know what I mean? And then, you know, going to police, they may have took it as a joke, and that's not good because. 
a lot of times that situation, you know, it may get, you know, that can get out of hand. Now he he ends up taking the law in his own hands, you know. Absolutely. When he reached out for help, no one helped him. So, you know, that that's, you know, that's, the I guess, the dangerous part of that as well, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I totally yeah, agree. Wanna, so, so, like, what can victims do? Like, uh, you know, through your group, do you offer, like, uh, also, like, resources? Because, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's so much involved. A lot of people, um, you know, may have nowhere else to go. See, you know, so you know, everyone says, oh, just leave. And then, you know, people get in situations where they may, like, be totally dependent on that person. You know what I mean? So they can't just up and go because, first of all, where am I going to live? You know, how, how, how am I going to live? You know, even if I find a place to live, I have no money. They may not have a job. They may not have no financial support. So, like, um, you know, do you guys, uh, with with your group, is it like um, you offer, like, different resources to help a person, like, uh, who, you know, wants to get away, you know, where, where to begin type sort of thing? Absolutely. Um, we offer resources. Um, you know, if push comes to shove and things are actually that bad, Sometimes we may go, depending on what the situation is, and assist a victim in getting away. That we have done on a couple of occasions. Um, resources well, they can, yeah. Um, it's awesome, you know. We sometimes have to think before we react, and with mm-hmm. being a domestic, a domestic violence. Um, survivor, a lot of times I don't think before I react because now I'm so, you know, when I hear domestic violence or if I hear someone getting loud in the street, my Mm -hmm. guards or my antennas go up immediately. And so, um, you know, sometimes we don't tend to think before we get into certain situations. We just know that we need to get there and this person needs assistance. You know, I've been there where though I've ran out my house yelling and screaming in the summertime help this man was behind me was going to kill me and people are sitting out on their soup and everybody looking at me run down the street but nobody would assist nobody would you know nobody would offer a hand nobody would offer to call the police nothing so i know what it's like when you're yelling out for help and no one comes to your rescue or no one even as much as say are you okay Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I wonder so how we I got to that, that I know what because, that feels like. You know, these days it's like people don't really get involved. Like, you know, you live in a neighborhood, and honestly, you know, you probably don't even know your neighbors. You, you may know one or two of them, but you live on the full street, and you couldn't, you know, name, you couldn't by name everybody on your street. You know, it, it ain't like it used to be. You know, but when I was a child, you, you, could, you know, the whole neighborhood kind of looked out for one another. You know, if that was happening, it was more in secretive. You see what I'm saying? We were going to be outside doing that because someone would basically intervene. But nowadays, people just kind of, like, mind their business. You, you know what I mean? Like, well, it has nothing to do with me, so if it's not affecting me directly. You know, because um, what about the, the, the person who does it? Like, you know, you have these guys that are, like, I guess, great actors out in public. And, you know, uh-huh. like, the one who uh, who's very abusive, but no one else will believe it. Like, you can tell people this, but they would never believe it because they, 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 they have, like, a, a totally a split personality. You see, they kind of, like, turn it on, turn it off. And that was my husband. It's funny you should say that. My husband was like that. In front of my, in front of my mother or when we were outside in the street, things would never, like, he would never argue outside in the street. He was real, pulled together outside in the street. 
But the minute we was in the house, he was a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Wow. Hmm. He put on this real good front in front of my mother. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Open the doors. Just real helpful. Just all kind of things. But the minute him and I were home, all hell would break loose. I wouldn't even know who the hell he was. And I tell people, I try to get people involved all the time because I Mm -hmm. think it's very important. And I would say to people, I ask people randomly sometimes, like, you know, if you see something, would you say something? Would you help? You know, would you intervene? And people would say, no, I don't want to get, I'm not going to intervene. I'll call the police for them, but I'm not going to intervene. And I stopped to think and I say to you, no, what if the shoe was on the other foot? Because, see, I've been there. I've been on both aspects. of So I know what it feels like when you're calling out for help and, and, and no one responds. And a lot of answers that I get, I hear people say, well, I don't want to get involved because she's going to turn around and she's going to go back. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of times people do feel like that way or they, they intervene and they get into a situation with this with this person and then it, it turns and it kind of backfires on them. Where, where did that mindset come from? See, I don't understand. You know, I don't I don't get I don't get that. You know what I'm saying? Well, I understand because, you know, uh, I grew up in a, in a neighborhood where you kind of mind your business. You don't really you run into police or anything. You know, it was frowned upon if you if you had any dealings with the police, you know. You know, see, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cut from a different a different cloth because I could hear my neighbors upstairs. I'm, for example, I had a neighbor that used to live over me, and she was an older woman. And I could hear her if I'm in my living room and my windows is open. I could hear them just as clear as they as if they were downstairs. In my living room And something was going on upstairs And it's not that I was being nosy But if you're over me And I'm on the first floor And I can hear all this rumbling And this tussing That don't sound right That's not like normal behavior Like people just walking around Or party You know what I'm saying That don't Mm -hmm. sound right upstairs I went upstairs And I knocked on her door To see if everything was alright And she came to the door and she said to me, she everything was okay, but you could tell that she was saying that because he was there. Wow. And so then I asked her, told her, you know, I made up this story that I needed her to come downstairs for a minute. I had something I wanted to show her in my apartment so that I could get her out of the apartment. And she mm-hmm. left and she came downstairs to my house, whereas though she started to tell me, you know, what was going on. He had hit her. And and this lady at the time, I was in her late 50s, almost 60 year, years old. She didn't look like it, but she was in her late 50s. So I guess she was down here for too long. And the husband comes down, see us to my door. I grabbed my bat, my son's bat, out the room. And I put the chain across my door and I opened the door with my foot propped up against the door. And I asked him what he wanted. I know she's in there, did this and stuff, and the other, and I said to him, and if she is, you ain't coming up in here to get her. 
she didn't want to leave because she was afraid. And I was determined by all means necessary. First of all, now you at you standing at my door. So I'm going to mm-hmm. defend what's in my house, where my child live at, and myself by all courts. So you ain't coming up in here. So I closed the door back. At first he tried to block the door from closing with his foot. And I just constantly just kept pushing it eventually. His foot got smashed, and he removed his foot from the door. So I ended up calling the police for her or whatever, and she ended up staying. I let her stay, sleep on my couch that night. And she wanted to, she had, that was like it for her. She wanted to move. She wanted to go back to her family in Philadelphia. She didn't want to be here no more. She wanted to leave him. And so with that being said, it doesn't, I don't, you know, I think when people get involved like that, and then when I say to my mom, she, you know, she, my mother is from the old school, so she would say, you got to be careful. You can't just go be running up. But since I've been there, my mm-hmm. antennas, when I hear the the loud yelling, the loud talking, something that don't sound right to me, I'm going to investigate. Oh, yeah, you can definitely hear the difference between an argument and a situation you gotta control. You know, people have disagreements all the time, but you know, you can kinda you can kinda feel, you know, you can feel when it's when it's gonna go left, when it's gonna get, you know, physical. With when it's yes, past sir. just uh words being exchanged. Yes, sir. You know, just like last week. Last up Friday to be exact. There was there's another couple that's upstairs. And I was in my bedroom watching T V and I heard this loud thump. And I heard all this arguing. The guy upstairs had thrown the girl down on the floor, and it my ceiling vibrated. And I could hear through the window he was punching her in her face. I called the police. Went outside and stood and waited for the police to come upstairs and directed them upstairs to where they needed to go. They went upstairs and they got her. Brought her down with her clothes or whatever. See, I just don't understand how people couldn't get involved because you never know who it's going to be. I might see you out in the street one day and you might need my help. How do I say to you for somebody that helped me get the word out, no, I'm not going to help. You know what I mean? Like, that makes no sense to me. I can't even comprehend that. Yeah, I know. It's like to, to today's, uh, you know, side of people is just like, kind of like turn the other way. Or I, I tell you something, I seen it was very disturbing. It was a woman being beat in front of her child. This 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 video was on the internet. I seen it about a week ago. She's being beat, and you know what people did? It's a crowd of people. Do you know no one intervened? They pulled out camera phones and started recording. It, and now it's on World Star. I that, mean, that that to me is just ridiculous. You know, I don't think that was a purpose for, for phones. For people to intervene and, and videotape someone's beating, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, maybe sure now the police can get involved and the person can get you know arrested and you know go through the process of law. But I mean, you could have stopped it before it got to that point. You understand? Know but instead, a crowd of individuals pulled out cell phones and and started recording, opposed to you know calling the police or you know anyone you know jumping in to intervene or maybe pulling the person off or they just. Recorded and watched. Absolutely, I, I I would never understand it, but 
it makes me feel good to know that I can't be accountable for everyone else. I can try to help guide the way to get them to where they need to be and help them see that, okay, you need to change your whole process of thinking. But I feel good because, Melissa, I do what it feels is right to me. And I feel like if I didn't die from my own domestic violence, if, if, some, if I should happen to help someone else and it cost me my life, then I feel like I know I can I'm okay with knowing that I left here standing up for something and being able to help somebody else. Yeah, it seems like the gift that keeps on giving. Like like say someone's listening or something, like is it you know, what 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 ways or what capacity can people get involved because, you know, um, a lot of people say, I want to help, but I don't know what to do, or, you know, I don't know what capacity I, I, I could help. You know, it's so many ways that you can help. It's not always happening, you know, you don't always have to get involved with a confrontation. You know, if you just see someone that's crying and real distort, you don't know how much you can be helping someone just to say, are you okay? Is there anything that I can do for you? That goes a long way. Just to know that, you know, that someone is there, someone, you know, that you're not alone. Just offer your assistance. Just be an ear to just listen because there's so many emotions that's going on that you're dealing with that, you know, that you, excuse me, that we don't understand. We just sometimes want to vent. We just want someone to listen. We just want an ear for somebody to listen. We don't want anyone to judge. We don't want anyone to say, oh, well, you're what the, this is why this happened, and you're the reason why this happened, and this was stupid why this happened. Like, I think sometimes it's, people just, it's an overkill. And a lot of times I think people don't think before they say certain things, because I think if they did, that they would agree when they sit back and listen at some of the questions that they asked in in situations that they would agree that they're just totally stupid. Now, I also wanted to know, like, um, you know, uh, maybe with yourself or someone else you came in contact with, are there ever any, like, suicidal thoughts? Like you say, well, I don't even want to live anymore because of this situation. Absolutely. I've been there. Absolutely. And I've run across people all the time, but absolutely, I have been there. I have said to myself with this last one that was so, so bad, it's got to be, I'd rather, I would rather die than to sit here and endure. It's got to be something better than this. Absolutely. Have I ever attempted to do so? No. Have I had those thoughts? Yes. Plenty of times. Absolutely. Because when you don't see a way out of a situation and you're so cluttered and you're so clouded and it feels like Nothing is going to get better, and you don't know what to do. You're in this alone. You don't have no one to talk to. 
and you just feel like I can just make it easier for everybody. This make it easy. I don't have to go through the abuse no more. You know, you don't think about you think about you don't think about the aftermath. In other words, how many people you'll be hurting, and how many people will be hurt that actually loved you that will be hurt behind this. If you did mm-hmm. something like this, but you're just thinking about for that moment, God, I'd rather be dead than to have him to keep hitting on me like this. I can't do it no more. And then sometimes you, sometimes you start to think, I hope this last time he hit me, I hope it'll be the very last time. Absolutely you have those thoughts. I can't and, actually and say that I know someone that has because, actually done it. You know, yeah. Because I know everyone's not, you know, everyone isn't able to find that strength. And some people may go to that extreme or attempt it or, you know, even succeed because, you know, like um, like you were just saying, like, you know, I guess that feeling of hopelessness, you just, you know, I, I can't deal with this. And, I, I, you know, you just don't see a way out. You're like, I, I can't see mm-hmm. a way out. This is never going to change. Exactly. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you can't see. You're, you're in such a dark place. You can't see it. You can't. Even if you try to focus and you try to think of the what if I should happen to make it out of here alive, what if. But you can't get past the fact. You can't get more than about ten steps in front of you because of your mind is just racing. You ha- you're, you're thinking of a thousand and one things in just one minute. You can't see it. You really don't start to see the light at the end of the tunnel until you are actually away from your abuser. You are no longer in that space of all that arguing, all that fighting, all that downgrading. You just, when you really have that downtime to really sit and reevaluate yourself, and I tell people they are so ashamed to do the counseling thing. I would recommend anybody do counseling. Counseling saved my life. Yeah, why do people look frown upon counseling? People feel that it's only for, like, weak individuals and everything. or You know, it's kind of like frowned upon. You know, I, I'm yes. not going to see no therapist. I, I don't need any help. How because does that admit to yourself? Like you, and you said it. You You hit the nail right on the head. Because they feel only the weak go to see the counselor. Everybody has this thing that, oh, I can do it. I don't need no help. I got this. I knew right out the gate, once I had got away from him, I knew I was so deep down in depression that if I didn't get help, trying to get up out of this funk, there was no, I knew that there would be no way of me possibly being able to do this on my own. So I was aware out the gate that I knew that I need assistance. Now I had to try and focus and get the strength to be able to succeed in getting this counseling. You know, people tend to want to go there and you tell, they feel that they go there and they try to outslip the counselor. I'm going to tell her what she wants. I ain't going to go there. I ain't going to tell her all my business. I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell her what she want to know, what she want to hear. And then 
but then how is that working for you? How is that helping you? If you go there and you tell the counselor what you think she want to know, what she want, how is that? How is that helping you any? It's not. You have to get there and you have to work it. I was so deep in depression. I was on medication. I was taking like five. I was taking. I suffered anxiety, PTSD, up depression. You name it. Melissa had it. But I did the counseling, like I said, individually, two times a week. I did the group thing three times a week. And I did the necessary work because I was determined, I'm not going to be on these meds the rest of my life. This mm-hmm. is just temporarily. This is just temporarily to get me to where I need to be. And like I said, once you break away and you can start to see clearly now, things start to look up and you start to think back at some of the things a lot you start to think about a lot of things like okay well yeah i remember that should have been that right there should have been a clue that something was not, but you can't see it when you're in it all the time but when you now on the outside looking back mm-hmm. everything starts to look real clear crystal clear to you now, are there any signs that, like, uh, say, an individual can look for, say, say someone has a friend or they possibly think, you know, maybe something's going on, something's not right, or this person just, you know, no one's that nice. Why is this person so, you know, or, you know, like, you know, you get a gut feeling, something ain't right about this person, but you can't put your finger on it. You know, uh-huh. what what are some maybe uh, telltale signs that someone might, you know, that someone might be being abused? Well, I think some of the signs to look for, a lot of times when you're abused, or you're being abused, you're very withdrawn. You're not real social anymore. You don't want to be around people. You tend to want to be by yourself. You want to be by yourself. Well, not by yourself, but you try to stay and within where your abuser is at. You don't want to, you, you don't want to, you know, you, you're very withdrawn from your friends and your family. Even though he tries to keep you that way because he tries to keep control, or he tries to have, keep the control on you. But you stay withdrawn from your, because you don't want no one to know what's going on. Wow. So you feel if you show up, even if you put on a good face, or you think you're putting on a good face, if you show up, it's a part of you that thinks, Somebody is reading me. They can tell that something is going on. So to keep all of that, you don't want nobody trying to read you and trying to figure you out. You stay away. Mm-hmm. If another thing, if you see someone that has bruises, I've never actually had black eyes or I've had my nose fractured, um, you know, other than just being choked and having marks around. I've never had, like, black eyes. I've never had, like, a busted lip that needed stitches, my white, my jaw wired and anything. But some people do have incidents like that. You know, I see girls wear dark glasses all the time. That's a sign to me something is, where if you, never, if you always hide behind shades and never want to show your face, something is wrong. These oh, wow. are things that you sh- you should not... These are things that should make you say, hmm. 
if she always seemed real antsy, if you all get together, if she's one that you all plan to go out sometime and y'all go out and you're eating dinner or you're having drinks and her phone is constantly going off. And it's the boyfriend calling all the time and then all of a sudden she says, oh, Melissa, I got to go. Such and such and such is coming to pick me up. He's given her time limit as to how long. Okay, you can be out with your girlfriends for about two hours. When that two hours is up, he's constantly calling. It's time for you to go. He's letting her know. It's time for you to go. Wow. Those are signs that something is definitely, like something is not right. But these are things that you people, your friends, and your family would really have to pay attention to. Because if you really don't pay attention or know how your friend or your family is, you would never pick up on it because these are things that just everyday things that people that people think are everyday things that they just overlook until it's too late and they're looking, God forbid, and they see something on the news and they'll say, well, I just, I didn't know she was going through that. And it's, no, that's because you didn't pay attention. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's you know that 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 is um you know that's man that's it, it see it's a whole lot to this and you know I guess it's the dark side that no one no no one really uh hears about because um like you said um you know it's not only them shaming you but you know you you yourself are, you know you're probably ashamed because you know something like that I can I can definitely see how that would be embarrassing like no one wants to be you know because people an abuse victim people look at them as weak individuals too well how could you let someone treat you like that. You know, yes. You know what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Why? Why would you accept that? If that were me, I would have been left. Everybody can always have this great about what they would have done, but they weren't the one in the situation. You know, and 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 I don't I don't know why people do that. Instead of trying to embrace the person, they kind of make them feel worse about it. So people like automatically, I guess, they get set in their mind. Well, I'm not going to tell anyone because I don't want anyone shame me any further than I'm already shamed. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't be exactly. embarrassed any more than I already am. Type thing. And see, and that's what, and, and and that's sort of kind of what happened to me with, um, why I hit both relationships was because when I was married to my husband, even though I was taught that whatever happens in my house stays in my house, at some point things had started to get really bad, and. I tried to tell my mom and them about what was going on. And because I mentioned to you earlier how he would put on this facade, he was this one person in front of my mom's, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. He was real polite. Nobody could see this man do any wrong. So when I tried to tell them that this is what was going on, nobody believed me. Mm -hmm. So they made it real easy for Melissa to hide the second one. Because now, in my mind, I'm saying, why am I going to try to waste my time and tell y'all what was going on when I tried to tell you about my husband? Y'all told me I was lying. No, they couldn't see it. No, not him. Y'all didn't want to believe it. So now here, this one almost took my life. And y'all made it real easy for me because you didn't believe me about the first one, so you made it real easy for me to hide the second one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, I mean that's 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 
man, that's got to be a you know very uh, lonely feeling, a very lonely place, and you know very dark place that um you know people I can see how people, you know someone can have uh you know problems getting out of that that place. So I'm just glad that you're giving people you know some sort of outlet to you know even like you said just a chance to be heard because um you know you don't know that, that may be the difference between you know that decision of, of life or death just just having someone to talk to or someone they can you know feel like someone's in their corner that they do have an option because like if you, you know you put somebody in any situation and you know they feel like they have no other options you know things you know can easily go to extreme measures in in, in a, exactly in a very exactly and uh, most people don't get that you know just being there just listening without judgment you know instead of telling me or downgrading me or you know playing on the fact that you think I'm stupid for even being in a situation like this how about you help me get out of mm. this situation how about you help me find a way that works for me to help me get out of this situation, opposed to you talking down to me about how stupid you think I am to even be in a situation like this from the beginning. Right, because I, I do like, uh, you know, people, like people put all type of stuff on, on social media, but those are usually stories I just don't run across. I, I, you know, and I've been on social media for years, and I, I can't even remember the last time I ran across a story of a woman saying, hey, I'm being abused by my, my significant other. I just don't run across that. And I think that that's one of the, I think that's also one of the reasons why um, Love Shouldn't Hurt has been so successful. From the very beginning, um, when I started this five years ago, like I said, as a Facebook group, and I started posting on my personal page about my personal like, I was at that place, I had gotten to that place that I felt comfortable, that there was no reason for me to hide any longer, and that I felt that it was important for me to continue to share my story so that others could see that there's no reason to be embarrassed. You know, it's not your fault what happened to you, you know, and so I felt that if people saw that I was comfortable in telling my personal struggles on Facebook about what had happened to me into detail, um, you know, I didn't hide anything. Every now and again I would go on there and I would say to them, you know, you can ask me anything about my domestic violence. I would get people to say, well, you know, can I ask you anything? And I yeah, sure, you can ask me anything. I'm an open book. And they would ask me questions you know, on Facebook, and they would say to me, I had one person ask me, well, why did you stay so long? And I would tell them why I stayed. Like I said, my kids and my mom, life was threatened. That's why I stayed. You know, if it was just me and I didn't have kids and my mother was already deceased, then we would be talking about something totally different. Then I might have taken the chance in trying to leave and that may have cost me my life. You know what I'm saying? But it would I would have had a better chance and trying if I was if it was just me by myself if I was single, mm -hmm. but unfortunately I wasn't. I had other people to think about, and so oh, yeah, I think the fact that I share others, right? exactly, you know. So I think the fact that I share, I'm so open, and I share my personal, uh, you know, that others start to feel comfortable to see that, you know, damn, like you help me see that there's no, there's nothing to be ashamed about. 
I've had someone ask me, are you ashamed? Why would you put that on social? Why would you, you know, put that on Facebook? And I, t- and I had to ask her, I said, well, why are you ashamed? Because it didn't happen to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, you reading my personal page, you are, however we are connected, whether it was through the group or what have you, but help me understand about why you upset at what I'm writing on my personal page. This didn't happen to you. This happened to me. So if I'm okay with it and I'm not embarrassed about it, I'm not understanding why you are. Oh, wow. But see, I'm cool with it. They felt embarrassed as a woman or something for another woman to share that or something like that or what? Yeah. You know, in the beginning, you know, I would get these crazy questions. And women, I guess before they were actually come forth or wanted to come forth, they were actually embarrassed. You know, nobody wanted to say, or or I guess embarrassed for me. I couldn't understand why you embarrassed for me because I'm okay with it. But they were embarrassed, and they wanted to know if I was embarrassed. And I thought, no, I've gotten over being embarrassed a long time ago. Mm-mm. Yeah, because I'm I, not embarrassed. I, I really paid. I see you do like uh, you've done like different speaking engagements. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, how did you get to that point to actually be able to you know speak to groups and different organizations? Because like I said, you know, it's one thing to vent you know online to you know you know people who can't really see you, but it's another thing to stand in front of a room and and share that 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 story of you know for that so good time in your life. How were you able to get to that point? Ah, uh, I don't. You know, it happened. Someone acknowledged me back in October, and I was um, I got awarded, and they acknowledged, you know what I have been what I had been doing with love shouldn't hurt, and so it showed me that people were actually really paying attention, and so I get this award in October of last year, and after that award. Things have just been amazing. Like, I, things have just, like, started taking off. I had this one person invite me to this event, ask me if I would share. It actually started um, when I went to accept my award in October, and I sort of kind of given just a little snippet of my past and what was going on. And someone, I guess, was at that show, was at that award ceremony, saw me, and invited me to come someplace else that they were having an event and asked me to come someplace else and share, asked me if if I could come and share my story. And it started like that. And then ever since then, I guess there's always somebody being at the place, being someplace at the right time, and just, I guess, from being from that event, somebody else reached out to me that saw me, and then somebody else reached out that saw me, and then I had friends that, you know, that been doing events that sort of kind of recommend me to other people. Oh, well, you really need to hear her story. She's really fantastic, you know. And then I guess just my personality also just sort of kind of, you know, played a big part as well and just sort of kind of, got me to where I need to be to continue to speak about my personal struggles and, 
you know, just getting the word out there about domestic violence. Like, this is very much so real. Oh, most definitely. Like, now, now, how can someone, re- you know, reach out to you? Like, say someone, you know, this may say, well, you know, man, I wanted to come share with my group, my organization. What's the best way for someone to, like, get in contact with you? I'm on Facebook. They can reach out to me on Facebook. I'm Melissa Holmes on Facebook. They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Melissa Holmes on LinkedIn. Instagram. It's Love Shouldn't Hurt NY. There's also my email. They could email me at Melissa Holmes. The number's six seven dot m h at gmail.com, my website, which is www.loveshouldn'thhurtny.com. So what's next for you, Melissa? Um, you know, what can we look forward uh, from Melissa Holmes and, and, and your organization in the future? Well, this is my vision for Love Shouldn't Hurt in the future, and I'm working towards making this happen in the next couple of years. I see Love Shouldn't Hurt having a shelter that is for victims, also survivors, but not just men. The shelter would also be for men that has been dealing with domestic violence as well, so it will be a unisex shelter. People with kids, because shelters now are always are designed for just women with a child or with children, but we really don't. There are no shelters at all that are designed for men in these situations. So I'm looking to create something that will also include our men survivors with kids that are single parents as well. Um, I'm looking to create something for them as well. So because they, you know, this also happens to them. This is not, I repeat, this is not just a woman's thing. So I think our men also, it's very important that our men um, are taken care of as well. So that's my vision for Love Shouldn't Hurt in the next couple of years, is to create this unisex shelter that'll help both men and women of domestic violence. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's a, a very great idea because, uh, you know, I've, you know, this, I've never heard of a, you know, shelter that even accepts men, you know, because um, it, it does go both ways. And, you know, um, you know, now, um, you know, whether or not, you know, a bunch of men will come forward, hey, that's yet to be determined, but at least they have the option too. You see what I'm saying? At least you have the option to get out of the situation and you know that that'll help a lot of people on both sides, men and women. You know, you have the option of you know of basically somewhere to go. You know, because you know a lot of times you know nowhere to go. That that's that's huge. That's a huge part of it. You if you Absolutely. have nowhere else to go, and a lot of times these people, you know, like you said, move these people out of state or something like that, and they they're kind of like so you know so segregated from their family. It's like you know they're not in contact with these people, and even they were, they live so many states away. It's kind of like you know. They're kind of stuck, so no one's there seeing or no one even knows about what's going on. And they're not going to let you, you know, pick up a phone and call them or anything like that if, if they can help it. 
No. Absolutely. So I, I, I got that idea from the, the gentleman that I was speaking about earlier who I say went mm-hmm. to the precinct. Um, he didn't he ended up not going back home that evening and tried to seek shelter. And when he reached out to me he was extremely upset and he said to me how he had gone to numerous of shelters and he wasn't able to seek shelter for himself and his daughter and how he felt that the system was just designed for women with kids. I think mm-hmm. after going to like his third, showing up at like maybe three, four shelters, he sort of got the ear, caught the ear of someone who, you know, decided, I guess, to take a chance on him, step out on faith, and had said to him, pulled him to the side and told him, if he come back around 8 o'clock that night and come around the back of the shelter, they would make sure that himself and his daughter had a bed for the night. Wow. And so, you know, yeah, you know, so I said, wow. So that's, you know, after he reached out to me, that sort of kind of stuck with me. And when I did research and I was like, like, you know, really, there's really no shelters designed for men who go through domestic violence. And I was like, wow, you know, it would be great to create, to begin to work on trying to create something that's unisex for both. This way, no one feels left out. Very tough situation to be in because a lot of times, you know, although you get there, they may say, well, hey, the kid can come in, but not you. But, you know, who in their right mind is going to leave their kid there by themselves? You know know what I mean? Who in their small child? They don't know you. You don't know them. So why would they leave their child here and you have other, you know, adults in this place? You see what I'm saying? Yes. No one's take that type risk. And, and, And it's just like, I mean, you know, that that's 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 kind of discouraging. You know what I mean? It's discouraging as a as a you know as a, as a male to say, well, dad, you know, we we honestly have nowhere else to go, and and no one's gonna you know help, and and, and everyone's kind of looking the other way. So I, I think that'd be a, you know very uh, very great idea. You know um, that you know in something like that, you can you know you could possibly take the you know different um, different major cities. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that's the plan. I'm hoping. I see more than one. <laughs> I see more than one. Yes, I oh, yeah. do. I me, see me more too. than one. I, I think that's a, that 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 um you know that'll catch on because like I said that's that's something different and you know and your idea becomes the first because like I said I've never you know I haven't even heard of a of a of a male shelter or a shelter that just accepts men. So yeah, I think that's I think that's the way it has to start. You know what I mean? Just being inclusive. You see what I'm saying? Because it, it can be separate quarters and dorms, and you know what I mean. You got one side on the, over here. This side is women, and the other side could be men and children. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that's, that we know that's how to the feel, plan because you know, I'm aware kind of, of that. Exactly, because I'm aware of that. You can't have them together, you know, in a shelter the way the shelter system design and the way the rules and regulations are. But you know. If they're on one side, like you said, with their kids and the women who are on the other side, the main focus is that when they come to this shelter for them not to be turned away because they are men. We'll accept anybody. If you've gone through domestic violence, whether men, women, teenagers, whatever, if you've gone through it, then you need to be at this shelter. This is where oh, yeah, you can go, like indeed. a safe haven. 
I, I like the sound of that. Well, I, yeah, I think that, I think I think you know I think that can uh, be be a very simple. And, and you know, and a lot of times you know people are get involved when you put something like that. You just got to put it out there in the atmosphere. You know, the the universe you know give you something like that because it, it's not really you know it's helping others. It's going to do so much good for others. You know, then the universe brings that that type stuff together. You, you know, and you put it out in the universe. So I think the universe is going to, you know, uh, make, make sure that doors open and, you know, you get aligned with, you know, the right individuals to make something like that happen because, you know, that that would be amazing. And, you know, that, uh, you know, it's just not for just, like you said, one, you know, sex or one, you know, sort of person, uh-huh. everybody, anyone who's anyone could be included. And that's, and that's major, man. So I, I just want to thank you for even, you know, sharing your story, taking the time out your your day to, you know, come on the show today. Um, is there anybody you want to, um, you know, mention on the show, maybe uh, give a shout-out to or maybe thank who may have, like, helped you along your journey or anything like that? Oh, it is so many people that I could name right now, and it's just too many to uh, to really share. But the ones that I could actually say that has been there, through the very beginning, without any judgment, um, is actually my spouse right now. He actually came and moved me back to New York from Baltimore when I was going through um, the domestic violence. So every step of the way right now, he has been with me, regardless of whatever it is that I do. If there's any event, he never asks if he should go, he just ups and he gets stressed and he asks me what time are we leaving. He's been he's been really really supportive on this journey, of this domestic violence journey, and I think he needs to really be applauded for that. There's been um, women, I want to say Shanice Starr and Latoya Parker. These two women had a conference about two years ago that I took advantage of that was called Unlock Your Dreams. Mm-hmm. And that was my very first time at that conference. And that helped me put things in perspective for myself to be able to stand up and to begin to take my life back along with the counseling and so forth and the other. And Glenice Gomez and Heidi Lee. These two women have given me, also given me platforms to help me extend Love Shouldn't Hurt. There's been nothing but love and from each and every one of these women. They've helped me in some form of some fashion, and they continuously help me today. So I'm sure with the progress that I'm making and the love and support that I'm getting from them, that this will happen in the future. I'm going to put it out there, and I'm claiming it now. Almost definitely, I think it will. You know, what I'm saying it's a good thing. Like I said, like like you said, when you started your Facebook group, you, I mean, you probably couldn't imagine when it started. It would go to be that. You know, that's 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 a successful group, and I, I see it only getting bigger because you know more and more people are going to hear about it and you know feel more comfortable. You know, getting in, you know getting involved in in, in coming on there and sharing that story. That's going to help another person come forward. You know, so you know don't 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 be surprised. If you look up, you know, you got tens of thousands of followers. 
you're like, man, how did he, how did he get this? You know, how did he get this large? You know what I mean? Like, you're gonna wow yourself. That, that's the way I feel. You're gonna wow yourself. You're gonna yes. look up one day you're gonna have like twenty, thirty thousand followers. You're like, oh my goodness. Wow. Right. And, it, and, and it's gonna and it's gonna happen. Like, you know, you know what I mean? You know, him like, well, wait a minute. You look up and you know, six months or a year gonna go past. And your numbers gonna cry droop. You're like, what is? How did this happen? You know what I mean? Like, what happened? You know, you're going to see, uh, you know, the numbers just spike. It just happens like that because, you know, it's a good cause. And like I said, that, that platform is, you know, I, I think that's major. You know what I mean? And and like I said, I want to thank you again, man. We, I love the topic. We, we got to have you back. Hang, hang Hold the line for me for one second. Um, sure. Well, yeah, once, once again, y- y'all check it out. Love, should, love Shouldn't Hurt. I think that's the page. Love Shouldn't Hurt. That's the page. It's Love Shouldn't Facebook. Hurt. Domestic Violence Awareness and Support Group. Okay, that's that. That's y'all can check that on Facebook. Um, is there a website for it yet, or are you like uh, in the process of yes. developing one? Or? Yes, the website is www.loveshouldn'thhurtny.com. Well, you heard it here first, man. Y'all definitely check out that website. You guys, uh, you know, out there listening, somebody want to get involved, somebody want to have a you know, speaking engagement, someone you just want to reach out and, and, you know, say maybe how you, you know, her story may have inspired you, um, you can do so. You can get in contact with her through the Facebook page, through her website, through the email. And, um, man, we, you know, so y'all, uh, we're going to take a pause for the calls. Y'all keep it locked. It's uh, Turn Up Tuesdays. We'll be right back. It's uh, Real Talk with Lee. Yeah. yeah, I saw you from over there. <laughs> Let me talk to you. If she with me, then who could be against me? Model type, but she wasn't in the bank, no. Round the way, girl, pretty like the sunrise. By the way, had eyes like blue skies. Had a man, but was looking for a new guy. Coincidence, I was looking for a new ride. Classy guy, like is in a suit and tie. First date, so the skirt is not too high. Mid-twenties, but still in a suit short. I like it, cause she played both sides like full court. Conversation good, wine even better. Seem like a veteran, remind me of Ella. Cool chick protecting at dinner will upset her. She was in my dreams before I even met her. Check, please, cause tomorrow we on jet skis. Who could do it like I do it, girl, except Shawty, me? All the money yeah. in the world, yeah. don't match your words.
rain and pours, baby girl, when the rain and pours, so how about we go to a place where it don't rain no more, yeah, you and me, uh, when the rain and pours, baby girl, when the rain and pours, so how about we go to a place where it don't rain no more, yeah, you and me, uh, let me take you to eternal bliss, she said she wanted more than less, she wanted happiness, security, embrace the insecurity, sick of lanes, so she said the cure was me, I feel it, it's Girl, you rocking with the finest To make them like this, you have to redefine science Never go against our reliance Let's take a trip to an island or the pina coladas Laugh about to come up when the sun go down We fucking to the sun up, it's nothing, just me and you Told me her sex was a weapon, turned around, hit me with a 22 like... Oh. 